Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Spring football practice gets underway on Friday and we'll have plenty of time to talk about that in April. But in the here and now, we are focused on Coach John Beeline and the incredible journey he and his team are taking us on. Michigan beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News will join me in just a minute with his thoughts on another amazing weekend for the Wolverines and we their fans. First, a few news and notes to get us started. I remember reading my emails from listeners in January, and at that time, it's fair to say many of you had jumped ship on this team. There were comments such as, I think Beeline is done. Why is Zach Irvin still in the lineup? How could this team be so soft and we have no inside game? The defense is pathetic, etc., etc., etc. On several shows, I and my guests like Terry Mills reminded fans that John Beeline puts the puzzle together, figures things out, and by March his teams are always playing their best basketball of the season. It's what he has done throughout his career over and over again. What he has done with this team should rank as one of his finest coaching jobs. And it's not over yet. On Thursday at 7.05 p.m., Michigan meets Oregon in Kansas City in the Sweet 16. The Ducks are 30-5 and and are a very good team, but they are beatable. Beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News is up next on our game day segment here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Here with us on our game day segment this week to talk about a crazy weekend in the first round of the NCAA tournament, Michigan beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News. James, great to have you with us. Thanks for having me, Mike. Well, you know, you can call it magic. You can call it mojo, being lucky, uh, peaking at the right time. Whatever it is, Michigan has found it, and they now have the looks of a very dangerous team, don't they, James? Yeah, I don't know what the right word is either. I mean, I'm sure people are using all different types of words, magic, whatever. But I think the the best word to use uh, with this team right now is versatility. Um, I mean, obviously, these past two games that they had in Indy this week, uh, facing Oklahoma State in the first round, um, you know, the, the focus was kind of on Michigan's uh, transition defense and the whole track meet that that game was going to be with Oklahoma State being one of the most up-tempo teams in the nation. <laughs> and they proved that they could, uh, you know, they could play uh, – they could play the game when they, you know, speed it up and, you know, run up and down the court. And then, you know, the focus shifted to the, uh, you know, if Michigan's defense could crack uh, Louisville's, Louisville's defense, you know, because they're, they're long, lengthy guys, you guys, and, you know, they kind of, the defense stifles a lot of teams, forces a lot of turnovers, wrecks a lot of havoc. But they proved, like, like I said, those two games, um, the versatility of this team, because the Oklahoma State game, everyone knows they relied on the three-point shots to really – shoot their way back into that game and take over in the second half. And then uh, against Louisville in the second half, you know, they kind of abandoned the, the three ball for the, the majority of that second half. And they really used uh, DJ Wilson and Maurice Wagner to kind of just attack them in the paint relentlessly. And that was what was fascinating about Sunday's game, um, James. Louisville's game plan, and Rick Pitino said it before the game, he said it at uh, halftime when he's being interviewed uh, on CBS, was to take away the threes and try to wear Derek Walton out, which – 
that's a good game plan because I don't think any of us thought Mo Wagner and DJ Wilson could do what they did. And simply put, those two young guys turned the tables on Patino and Louisville and became a huge matchup problem for them, didn't they? Yeah, you could tell early on that they were focused on taking Derek Walton out of the game. Uh, he was just hounded all game long. I think at some point they even had the, the seven-footer on their team that had him out guarding him. Um, so, yeah, they were – that was clearly their focus was taking him out of the game. But, like I, like I said, against Oklahoma – in the Oklahoma State game, like Mo Wagner, he really didn't do much because he had that foul trouble early on. He picked up those two quick fouls within the first three minutes, so he sat most of that game. But, I mean, that just shows this team really – they have three guys that can really just carry this team and DJ Wilson. Cause he showed that in the big 10 tournament when they beat Purdue, when he scored 26, um, Mo Wagner. I mean, he's proved it a couple of times this year. Um, when they played Purdue during the regular season, when he, uh, scored, I believe 24 points that game. And then he proved it again, uh, you know, yesterday when he scored a new career high 26 points. But yeah, I think that, yeah, I don't know if many people expected them to both go off at the same time. Cause it's not very rare that, uh, DJ and Mo both kind of have huge games like that, but just kind of how the game shook out and kind of the adjustments Beeline made. Yeah, they just they just took advantage of it because they knew that Derek they weren't going to let Derek get going at all. Well, what Mo and DJ did was special, as we uh, all witnessed. But I still don't want to forget about Derek Walton Jr. I mean, we saw that his shot was off first time in quite a while. It uh, he, he just hasn't had it going on from a scoring perspective, shot perspective. But he did so many other things well, and I think most importantly, staying calm, showing that leadership on the floor, getting that offense in the right sets, and continuously exploiting the Louisville switch-offs that created those mismatches with Mo Wagner. So the points, again, were off, but his leadership, huge all day, and still one of the keys to that win, James. Oh, definitely. I mean, even though you look at the, the you know his points scored, he only scored 10, and people might think, like, oh, he didn't. He didn't do have much of an impact on the game, but if you look, he almost had a triple double. Like for the second straight game, he finished with ten points, six assists, and seven rebounds. But yeah, I mean, he can he can impact the game in so many ways. And like you said, uh, even though he wasn't scoring, he was really running the offense and getting all the guys open, and you know, really taking advantage of the the switches, getting uh getting the ball to Mo deep in the post so he could take over. And he did struggle. Uh, everyone saw he started zero for six from the field until he. He did three late in the first half for his first bucket. Um, but then it just shows how much faith and confidence this team has in him. When uh, Louisville was making that late, late push, and they cut it to two, and then um, the next possession, Derek goes down, and he drives, and he scores that kind of acrobatic layup to put Michigan back up by four and kind of help, help seal it before DJ hit those, hit those four big uh, pressure-packed uh, free throws in the final 17 seconds. So, I mean, I think that speaks volumes, like I said, especially, you know, that late game situation when they need a bucket and uh, Derek is really struggling that, you know, he can come through in uh, those moments. Indeed he did. Now, you just mentioned DJ Wilson. Uh, talk about those pressure-packed free, free throws on Sunday down the stretch. And uh, and he did it with a smile on his face, which was another thing that made me laugh. But talk about uh, him. He's another guy who's really found his stride, James. Yeah, we like we asked him after the game about um, – you know, that free throw situation, like how, you know, how can he handle that? And he just, he just talks about the, the confidence he has in himself and, you know, the confidence that his team has in him. And he's actually hit, you know, those pressure situations the past two games, but because in the Oklahoma State game late, um, Duncan Robinson missed, you know, the front end of a one and one. And that game kind of, they had a little bit of trouble putting that one away until DJ hit two more free throws in, you know, the final seconds to really seal that one. And then uh, against Louisville, yeah, he hit those, he hit those four 
four straight in the final 17 seconds to uh, to kind of seal it for Michigan too. But yeah, he's he's been playing phenomenal. It's just kind of one of those things where with him and Mo both throughout the season, they just they just continue to develop and and progress and you know really become uh, you know big weapons for uh, for Michigan's offense. Another guy I want to uh, to mention, not only uh, from his play in the uh, the Big Ten tournament, uh, but what we've seen in the first round of the NCAA is senior Zach Irvin. We all saw him struggle late in the season, but to his credit, he kept on working. He was doing other things to contribute and help the team, but he has notched it up in the last two weeks and answered the bell, James. Yeah, no, if you look at his stats, he's actually been pretty steady. And uh, I mean, obviously he had probably a little bit of motivation this weekend, um, being a you know, uh, an Indiana guy, and this is kind of his final homecoming, so to speak, um, playing in Indiana- Indianapolis, not too far uh, from home. But yeah, he hit, he hit some big buckets these past two games, especially uh, in the Louisville game. He didn't, if you look at his stat line, he didn't really light it up at all. He only took nine shots and he finished with 11 points. But there was one point where Michigan made their, their kind of that run in the second half. I think it was a 15 to four run where they, they took the lead, um, for the first time since like the first minute of the game when they went up, I believe 53, 51. But during that stretch, he scored six straight for Michigan. He had a layup and then he had a uh, back-to-back mid-range shots, which uh, obviously is huge. And then same thing with Oklahoma State. I mean, he's been, I, teams just keep giving him that mid-range shot and he just keeps burying it. But yeah, that's, uh, I mean, having him, you know, back and cause that's when Derek kind of took off was when obviously when Zach was struggling and that's when Derek just kind of, kept stringing together 20 point games but yeah these past these past couple of weeks he's been he's been steady he's been you know getting them double digits I don't he, and they don't really even need him to be the leading scorer like what he was earlier in the season that just shows how much this team has changed and evolved over the season with us here on our game day segment this week is Michigan beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News as we look back on another great weekend uh, in Michigan basketball in the NCAA tournament first round you know, James, you've been covering this team all year. Uh, you've watched Mo Wagner's evolution. And I don't know if in all the years I've been watching Michigan basketball, if I've seen a player blossom or come of age faster than he has. Uh, I'm beginning to think, though, the best is yet to come from this kid. It's just amazing to watch him explode on the scene, isn't it, James? Yeah, no, he's he's definitely, he's been getting better and better um, each game. And the, obviously, early in the season, like beginning coming into the season, the, the biggest issues with him was... Uh, Foul trouble, you know, him kind of staying on the court. And obviously his uh, focus on his defense, that was probably the two biggest areas he had to improve on. I don't think there was really ever a worry about his offense. Um, but, yeah, his defense, it, it has been getting better throughout the season because I think you can look back to the Big Ten tournament game and the title game when they played Wisconsin, and he was on Ethan Happen. I mean, he hounded him throughout that entire game. He was all over him and had just had really struggled to finish around the rim. And I think that's just a credit to how much – you know, Mo's been improving and working on his defense with, uh, you know, assistant coach Billy Donlon. And like I said, yeah, his offense has always kind of been there. And he, he's shown that throughout the season, especially, um, you know, his long-range touch, um, you know, being that added weapon where he can just shoot over anybody. But And then these past two games, he's really showed off, um, you know, the, the kind of the mismatch he provides, you know, typical, uh, you know, big men where he's where most kind of that stretch five and he can kind of, you know, use that, that backer he can you know just beat blow by blow by his defender with a dribble so yeah he's definitely been one of the guys who's just continued to to get better and better as uh, the season has gone on and he has so much fun playing the game that's I think what it's it's so much fun for fans to watch him as he uh, enjoys every minute of it and I thought after 
uh, the game on Sunday when he was interviewed by CBS. He was uh, his answer to a question was great. Uh, I forget the name of the sideline reporter, but she said, "What's it like to be the man?" And he laughed and he said, "I'm not the man." Um, and that's what I love about my team. Anyone can be the man any night, any game. And he's right. Uh, this has become a team with so many players now capable of stepping up and beating teams, James. And again, uh, that's what makes them so dangerous right now, isn't it? Yeah, they have. I mean, if you look at it, they honestly have three guys who could really carry the team in any given game. And, and DJ Wilson, Mo, and then uh, Derek Wallen. Those three guys, that any, any, they're all capable of scoring 20-plus points in any game. And uh, not to take anything away from Muhammad Ali and Rockman and Zach Irvin, they're both they're both pretty steady scoring options as well. Uh, like Muhammad against uh, Oklahoma State, Muhammad scored 16 points, which is nothing to rub your nose at. Um, but yeah, it's just it just shows their offense how how well this offense runs, and you know, Beeline kind of what he draws up and how everything kind of works with this team. Um, yeah, any, any, any given game, any given guy can kind of be the star. And that's kind of what Derek Walton alluded to that in his post-game, uh, his post-game interview uh, yesterday. He was just saying that really there's no star on this team. It's just, you know, any given game, it's, you know, any, any guy can really step up. And whether you're Oklahoma State or Louisville or Oregon on Thursday, you have to look at this Michigan team and say, how do we neutralize them? And you know what? Three or four weeks ago, I think we could have said, just take that perimeter game away from Michigan and you beat them. But you can't say that anymore because, uh, as we've just mentioned, this team has now become very versatile. And believe it or not, it's almost from a a game planning perspective. If you're playing Michigan, pick your poison. Who are you going to stop? Yeah, that's what uh, that's actually what DJ Wilson said the other day after um, they beat Oklahoma State. They were talking about how you know they were kind of taking away, taking away everything in the in the paint. They were just basically giving them the three point, the three point shot, and they're just like, well, I mean, you know, guarding us, whatever you're going to give us, it's kind of you know like a pick your poison type of offense. And then uh, Louisville coach Rick Pitino, before they played uh, Michigan the other day, he actually said, you know, the the two hardest teams to prepare for, like on a one day preparation, he said were was Michigan and uh, West Virginia, which is a uh, pretty high praise coming from a all fame coach like that. But yeah, it's just, it, they've proved, like I said, like Michigan has proven over these past two games that they can beat you anyway. It's just, you know, whatever, whatever the, the opposing defense is going to give them is what they're going to take. So whether it's the three point shot, like Oklahoma state gave Michigan, they're going to take that. Or if it's, they're going to try to take that away and then they're going to, you know, just going to, focus on running you off the line, then they're going to, you know, do damage in the post, which they proved against uh, Louisville with uh, DJ Wilson and Mo Wagner combining for 40, 43 points. <laughs> and, you know, Coach B had his doubters in February. I think Michigan fans, some Michigan fans were tired of hearing, you know, how much his teams improve in the back half of seasons. The numbers and the history, though, bear that out. But again, we've seen it happen this year. This really what we're witnessing right now, James. It isn't luck. This is some pretty darn good coaching, isn't it? Yeah, you could argue this might be Beeline's best coaching coaching job he's had since he's been here. But yeah, I mean, he he, he talked about that afterwards because he was asked about the Big Ten. You know, there's three teams now moving on to the Sweet 16 in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Purdue. And he was saying coming into the season, nobody nobody knew who DJ Wilson and uh, Reese Wagner were. Like they were, if you would have said their name, he said nobody would have known who they are. But that just shows kind of the job he does at, you know, developing his players and, uh, you know, as they progress through the season and getting better. And, I mean, things look, you know, if you look back to the season, things didn't look too good when they got off to that, that one and three start in Big Ten play. 
but I mean, that just shows, you know, kind of, you know, it's a credit to the coaching that they kind of turn that, turn that, uh, everything around. And now they're on a seven game win streak and, you know, they're, they're kind of playing their best ball at the right time. And what about that three teams uh, from the big 10 in the sweet 16? That is something, uh, I don't think any of us thought watching the big 10 this year, and maybe it's just us, but we heard the uh, the national folks on ESPN and, uh, and national publications saying, down year in the Big Ten, mediocre uh, teams, uh, um, no one really stands out. But here we are, uh, as the dust settles and we get ready for the Sweet 16, three teams and could have been four if Michigan State would have uh, caught fire at the end of last night's game. Yeah, no, I think a lot of people looked at the parity throughout this league because, I mean, throughout the Big Ten season, it was really any team on any given night could beat you know, any other team kind of, you saw that was kind of Rutgers, you know, taking Wisconsin to overtime and, you know, kind of like the lower tier teams were really pushing the, uh, pushing the up, you know, the teams at the, you know, at the top, but actually, so I believe one of the a reporter asked Matt Painter that um, after Purdue, Purdue won to uh, advance to the sweet 16, they asked him about the big 10 and he was, you know, he kind of said, <laughs> talked about Wisconsin being an eight seed. And he's like, anyone who, anyone who has Wisconsin thinks Wisconsin is an eight seed, and, you know, obviously, doesn't know basketball, but yeah, I think that that just shows, you know, the, the strength and the competition throughout the, throughout the conference, you know, that, you know, like I said, there was the parity throughout the league. There really wasn't any one dominant team, but that just shows how, how competitive and, you know, balanced this, uh, the big 10 actually was this season. Well, the magic continues for Michigan fans as the team moves on to the sweet 16 in Kansas city Thursday against Oregon. Now, I haven't seen much of the Ducks this year, James. Uh, I don't know how much you know about them, but could you tell us, from what you know right now, what problems do they present for Michigan and vice versa? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't really got a chance to watch much film on uh, the or- Oregon either. Uh, I watched a little bit of their game game last night when they kind of had to come back from behind against uh, Rhode Island to kind of pull that one out. But I know I know they got a, a big, uh, big player in uh, Dylan Brooks, who's kind of going to be like the, the main focus. Um, to kind of clamp down on uh, on defensively, and uh, I know that they have they have the, his uh, backcourt mate. Uh, his name is eluding me right now, but he hit a couple big threes in like the final minute, thirty seconds to really help seal that game. So I mean, they got good guard play. They got guys who can really stretch the floor. Um, and I know they're also missing their uh, their big shot blocker. Um, his name's kind of escaping my mind right now, but I know he's not there. So I mean, when you look at this game, I mean, actually, if you just watch the Rhode Island Oregon game. I mean, you have to have a feeling that, you know, this is a pretty pretty beatable team uh, for Michigan. Well, uh, rest up, Michigan fans. Uh, Thursday night we get Oregon, and uh, I, I pretty much saw the uh, the game last night or Sunday night the way you did with Oregon, Rhode Island, James. They do look like a, a beatable team, especially when you look at the, the first two teams that Michigan's played, but it is the NCAA tournament. And if we get by them, uh, we get the winner of the Kansas-Purdue game. As Coach B told his team on Sunday, though, prior to the game, after the game, hey, guys, why not us? Which has sort of become the uh, the battle cry in the last 24 hours. But all of a sudden, James, not hard to imagine this Michigan team in the Final Four, is it? No, I wouldn't I wouldn't write this team off at all. I mean, like Beeline said, I mean, like, why not us? I mean, I'm sure many people thought, you know, heading into this Louisville game that, you know, kind of the odds were stacked against them, obviously, with Louisville defense, you know, being so stifling and dominant that it would really give Michigan Michigan problems but yeah I mean when it comes you know now where it's just one and done type of time this what this team you know has been able to do these past couple of weeks just rattling off wins you know Big Ten tournament four wins in four days and now you know two wins in three days it's just it's I don't know how you can really write this team off anymore just with with what they've 
shown they can do and the competition that they've beaten, you know, within these past couple of weeks. Uh, my guest on this week's show on our game day segment has been Michigan beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News. I know these are crazy times for you, James, with your schedule, so thank you for carving out some time for us, and we already look forward to our next visit. Uh, no problem. Thanks for having me on, Mike. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Wolverine Quick Hits today, women's basketball trailed by one point with 4.52 remaining, but held Wright State to just two points the rest of the way, as U of M escaped with a 71-66 win over WSU on Saturday afternoon in the second round of the WNIT at Chrysler Center. Hallie Thom led the way for Michigan with 23 points on 10-for-15 shooting to go with seven boards as she topped the 1,000-point mark for her career. Junior Caitlin Flaherty turned in 15 points and four assists, with freshman Kaiser Gondrzak going for 14 points and four boards. Dunstan just missed a double-double, scoring eight points with a game-high 11 rebounds. Michigan will face St. John's, Coach Barnes-Rico's old team, in the next round of the WNIT at Chrysler Center. The game is scheduled for a 6 p.m. tip on Thursday. That's right, same evening uh, the Michigan men are playing. So the best of luck to Coach Barnes-Rico and her team in the WNIT. The number 19-ranked University of Michigan softball team won both ends of a doubleheader, defeating Kent State 11-3 in six innings and 3-0 to earn the series sweep and net head coach Carol Hutchins her 1,500th career win on Sunday in front of 1,173 fans at the Wilpon Complex home of Alumni Field. Already the winningest coach in NCAA softball history, Hutchins is now the first to reach 1,500 wins hitting the milestone with the Wolverines' win in the day's first slate. She is now 1,501, 485, and 5 in her 33rd season at the helm of the Michigan program and 34th overall as a collegiate coach. Michigan will open Big Ten play this weekend when Penn State visits for three games. The 19th-ranked Wolverines are 17-7 and and 1 heading into this weekend's action. The number 21-ranked University of Michigan baseball team rallied for two wins over the visiting Northern Illinois Huskies on Sunday to earn the doubleheader sweep and win the series at the Wilpon Complex home of Ray Fisher Stadium. The Wolverines took the first game by a 7-4 score, plating three runs in the bottom of the ninth on a three-run homer from junior Dave Lugbauer to earn the victory. Using the momentum from Game 1, the Mason Blue rallied in Game 2 for an 8-4 win to sweep the doubleheader and clinch the weekend series. Michigan will take their 15-4 record on the road this weekend to open Big Ten play against Maryland in a three-game weekend series. The University of Michigan hockey team fell to number 15 Penn State by a score of 4-1 in the first round of the Big Ten tournament last Thursday night at Joe Louis Arena. The Wolverines were plagued by three goals in the first period, but senior goaltender Zach Negelvert settled in, finishing his last collegiate game with 30 saves and no goals allowed after the first two minutes of the second period. Freshman forward James Sanchez scored the lone Michigan goal halfway through the second period. With the loss, Michigan's season came to an abrupt end. Now we wait for official word on whether it was the last season behind the bench for legendary head coach Red Berenson. Like us on Facebook, at The Michigan Man, and follow us on Twitter, also at The Michigan Man. Our free show app is available from the Google Play and iTunes stores, and you can hear us each week on iHeartRadio. That will do it for another show. 
Don't forget the tip time for Michigan against Oregon is Thursday at 7.05 p.m. from Kansas City and will be televised on CBS. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. And as Coach B told his players after Sunday's game, why not us? Let's hope that next week at this time, we are poised for a return to the Final Four. What a run it has been. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until next time, take care, and as always, Go Blue! Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!